This is the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. My name is Daniel Williams, and I am excited for another episode of Leadership Lessons and Time to Spend with You. And today, I'm excited to talk about a great subject that I love to apply to my heart and I've learned a lot about, and that subject is prayer. I want to saturate you with the importance of prayer, talking about prayer and ministry. And it's so important and vital that we talk about this as leaders. You know, Bruce Zachary says about prayer that the church's organization's methods, marketing, and machinery are powerless to deliver from part from prayer. And so many times as leaders, we get so quick to talk about strategy, planning, methods, rather than just pray. And I want to make sure in this community that we continue to talk about prayer and the spiritual disciplines, such as being filled with the Holy Spirit, taking time to be in God's Word, fasting, and praying. These things are all important, and it's not like we don't talk about plans, we don't talk about methods. These things aren't bad, but they must be surrendered to God in prayer. Uh, I like what Rick Warren says about prayer. He says, little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. And so we need to be men and women of prayer who prioritize talking and walking with God and relying on His strength, His will, His power. And so I would define prayer as talking and listening to God. As His servants serving His church, it's important to be in communion with Him to listen to our Master. And when we pray, we actually align our hearts up to His will. Jesus taught us, hey, when you pray, don't pray for your own will, but pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, I've learned a lot in prayer and grown especially, I feel, in this subject of prayer as I've church planted, as I've been in dependence upon God not knowing what I was doing. See, my family, we aren't from uh, Florida. We actually, uh, I was out, I was raised outside of uh, Seattle in Washington State. Yes, not Washington, D.C., but Washington State, the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. And my family and I moved from Washington State uh, to Delray Beach, um, this very long move, specifically to see God do a great work, to start a church and to obey Him. And I tell people all the time, like, listen, we had the, the worst strategy ever and the best strategy ever. It was the worst strategy ever because we didn't know a soul here in Delray Beach, Florida. I'd never been to this city before in my life. But it was the best strategy ever because we were obeying what God had told us to do. And he said audibly by name, come to Delray Beach. And so through a time of prayer and circumstances, he confirmed that. He told me to go and that's what we did. My family and I moved from Washington State to Florida. And so we had to spend a lot of time uh, just being desperate in prayer begging God to do something because honestly, we couldn't rely on our own methods, our own strategies. We we didn't know what to do. And prayer from day one has played a vital role in uh, planning Delray Beach. And so we really saw God direct us over and over and over again through prayer. And so I have so many stories about prayer and I'm not going to share all of them with you today, but I think it'd be fun to just share a few to encourage you to, to just be uh, able to boast and brag about how amazing God is and what he's done. Uh, when we first moved here, you know, Delray Beach, uh, the first time I saw it was with 
the U-Haul packed and it was the middle of August, unpacking a U-Haul in the middle of August. It was, it was incredible. Um, but we really didn't know anyone here. And so my wife and I, we, we took a lot of time in the beginning just to pray. And we asked God specifically to do a great work, that we would have the opportunity to share the gospel. We wanted to start a church, not because we were young, not because we thought other churches were doing it wrong. We wanted to see people's lives get changed and transformed by God and his gospel and make disciples. And so we prayed and asked God, hey, God, would you give us opportunity to just preach your name, preach your good news, that you that you are a God that loves, that saves sinners, that we're saved by grace, and that people can know you. Can you give us that opportunity? And, and I, I promise you this, we would go out a night in downtown Delray, whether it be a festival, a coffee shop, we would interact with people within three to five minutes, um, be sharing the gospel with them. And the crazy thing is, a lot of the people that we were friends with uh, in the beginning of the church plant, we saw get saved. A lot of our unbelieving friends uh, we saw get saved, get baptized, get discipled. And as we were starting this church, we really saw God do one of the greatest miracles, save a soul. Uh, you know, we can ask for healing and I, we do believe in healing and we've seen babies that have, have had skin cancer be healed. Uh, we've seen so many miraculous things, but the reality is uh, what benefit is, is if we gain uh, if we gain the whole world and lose our soul, the greatest miracle that we can see is someone's salvation. And so we saw that through specific prayer, interceding for people. And, and it was incredible. And as we grew, we decided to start Sunday mornings. We were going to gather together publicly and, and preach the word and make disciples. And we thought, man, you know, it'd be really nice is having snacks and coffee and pastries. But the only problem is we were very few and we were very broke. And so uh, one person in our prayer meeting had heard that we, that Panera Bread gave out free bread. And so we, I told the, the, our community group, let's just pray, let's just ask God to do this work for us. And um, the crazy thing is, is he did something miraculous. Uh, he gave us Panera Bread that we've had for five years. I was working at the time at Bloomingdale selling women's shoes, uh, working full time, trying to evangelize and plant a church and do all the things you need to do until so it was very busy. We had our prayer meeting and I was helping a lady and she had mentioned something about Panera Bread. And so uh, I, it was right in my mind because we had, had just had a prayer meeting about it and we're asking God specifically, God, would you just I don't know, help us to get Panera Bread? We don't even know where to start, where to go, but can you help us? And so I, I talked with this lady and I said, hey, you mentioned Panera Bread. And, and she was so kind. She was so happy. I helped her with something I didn't need to help her with. But um, she wanted us to write a review and talk to my manager. And she was just so happy with me. And I said, hey, well, can you help me? Um, I'm looking to get that bread and I, I heard a rumor that, that they give it to nonprofits. I'm starting a church and I'd love to have it. And at the time we were starting in the beginning of the year, it was around November. And, she, and I said, well, who do I talk to for these donations? And she said, you talk to me. I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I'm the regional director of all of South Florida for Panera Bread donations. You talk to me. And so she said, I have a, I have, you could have any store as long as it's open, it's available. And I said, well, I need it Saturday nights and here's my location. She said, oh, you know what? Uh, you can have a Saturday night. You can have it right by downtown Delray Beach, but I can't give you the bread until the beginning of the year. How does that sound? And my mind just blew up with how specific and amazing it was. Because even if we got donations there, we weren't even doing Sunday mornings. The store was going to open the same time the church was going to open. And that was five years ago. And every single Saturday night, we still get Panera Bread 
hundreds of dollars worth that we give out to the people in church. They take it home to their neighbors. Uh, it, it's just amazing. Uh, one last one, because as you roll in the church and you know, uh, finances are tight sometimes when you're a smaller church. And so there's been many checks in the mail. One time, and I love this story because there were two pastors I can vouch for. We were around $5,000 below budget and I was a little stressed, a little worried. I had a friend over uh, from out of town that pastors and uh, my assistant pastor was over and I just prayed. I said, God, you know, I just, I just need, I just would love to have this money. I don't, I don't know why we're down and um, just the stress that comes along with not having finances. And so we were hanging out and I said, guys, I need to go and pray. I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to stress. I want to hang out with you. However, um, I'm a little stressed. We need this money. And so uh, I went out and walked my neighborhood and asked God specifically for $5,000. And that may not be a lot to you, but for me, especially at that time, that was a lot. We needed that money. And so uh, I pray, I go back, I tell the guys, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I, I go outside uh, right after my prayer walk, get the mail, and in the mail there was a check specifically from $5,000 to Redemption Church. It was incredible. It was amazing. And so why do I share all these stories with you? Because I want to encourage you to pray. I think it's so important that we testify of the importance of prayer and how as leaders, we see God work and we need to encourage one another to pray. You see, oftentimes we want big results, but yet we just rely on our own flesh, doing things, having strategy, having methods, and we neglect prayer, almost as prayer is the last resort. But God wants us to seek His kingdom first, His will to be done first. He wants His leaders to prioritize praying. You know, A. C. Dixon says this about prayer. When we depend upon organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. And we de when we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon prayer, we get what God can do. And I try to encourage people and leaders all the time, listen, God could do more in a moment than we could do in a lifetime. And so as leaders, we need to spend time in prayer. And we see this biblically, uh, even in Acts chapter 6, when the apostles got super busy with all these different tasks, they, they actually appointed other people to do projects and have methods and strategy to get things done so they could spend time praying. In verse 4 of chapter 6, it says, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. See, many of us have devoted ourselves to the ministry of the Word. Uh, we, we understand that the importance of studying, and if we don't study, man, people are going to notice, right? Because we won't, we won't be good communicators on a Sunday morning. But let me tell you this, people will notice if you neglect prayer as well too. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, the things done in the secret, God will reward openly. And we can't just do the things where people see. We have to take time to pray, take time to spend with God, and give ourselves to Him in prayer. Uh, to be in fellowship with Him in prayer. And over and over and over again, uh, the Bible exhorts us to spend time in praying. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in thanksgiving. Or continue and devote yourself in prayer. See, Jesus expects His people to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, And when you pray, but when you pray, and when you pray, in verses 5, 6, 7, even in verse 9 it says, And this is how you should pray. Jesus would teach His disciples to pray. He would tell us to ask, to seek, to knock. And He would even tell His disciples in Luke 18, 1, Hey, 
you should always be praying. And we should learn this from Jesus and what he taught the disciples. And honestly, from church history, there are many men of God that we can look to and say, wow, God did an amazing work because of prayer. Uh, Martin Luther, one of the great leaders of the church, uh, the evangelical church, the Protestant church, said this, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to mend shoes, it, so it is the business of Christians to pray. And see, what I want you to understand is privilege. It is a privilege to pray. We get to pray. We need to apply the gospel and God's grace when it comes to prayer. Because many times when you talk about the importance of prayer to leaders and try to rally them up and stir them to do more and try harder and be better, um, we feel condemned. But the reality is there is no condemnation in Jesus. Jesus wants you to see the blessing in prayer. And can I remind you that God wants to have a relationship with you? That He saved us. That He loves us. We were sinners destined to go to hell, but God saved us and poured out His love and gave us His Spirit so that way we can cry, Abba, Father. See, our attitude with prayer shouldn't be, I have to, but it should be, I get to. I get now to be in a relationship with God and be in commune with God and talk with Him and listen with Him. And God actually wants to listen to me. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive and find grace and to help in a time of need. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Pray without ceasing. See, God wants His church to pray. And so God desires His church to be a house of prayer, Matthew 21.13 says. And so we at Redemption Church try to infuse prayer in everything that we do. Just to be very practical with you, we say that we have four focuses or four pillars of our church, things that we focus on and try to accomplish our mission and vision. Uh, and right now the four focuses are Sunday mornings, community groups, outreach, and leadership development. And you may say, well, what, wait, that where's prayer? You don't have prayer in those. And I sort of tell people, well, prayer is infused in everything. If you think of these four pillars, uh, prayer is the cement. We try to incorporate prayer in all of these focuses all the time. On Sunday mornings, we have prayer cards. We pray during the service multiple times. The volunteers pray. I have uh, anointing oil that I pray with people on Sunday mornings with other elders. We want people praying on the spot when they're in fellowship and teaching them to pray for one another all on Sundays. During community groups, we take time to pray in the group together and pray for one another. Uh, for our outreach focus, we write actually down names of people we want to pray for. We have salvation cards that we take uh, names and pray over them and intercede. We have door hangers where we have prayer meetings and then blanket uh, our community and our city with these door hangers saying, and we are praying for you and glad you're a part of our city. In our leadership development focus, we develop people by telling them and teaching them how to seek God in prayer. So we take a lot of time just praying in all of these aspects of ministry because we were designed to have a relationship with God. And so we need to actually cultivate that relationship, enjoy that relationship. See, this isn't just a command, but it's more of a, a blessing to be able to do this, to be able to pray, to talk, and to be, have open communication with God. And I know that praying could actually be work. 
You, you remember that Paul uses a language like this. He says that you're to labor in prayer. Jesus' disciples actually fell asleep in the garden while Jesus told them to pray because praying can be hard. But can I encourage you, it's always worth it. It's so worth it. See, as we pray, we see God work. And because God works through our prayers, it encourages us to pray more and to pray more. And so God commands us to pray for our good because it is worth it. And he tells us that when we pray, he moves. He works through prayer. You remember in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. See, we need to understand that when we pray, we don't waste our breath. 1 John 5, 14 tells us that we have confidence in God. If we ask anything according to His name, He hears it. If we ask according to His name, His will, He hears it, and whatever we ask, we will receive an answer. And sometimes this answer can be, not yet. And we have to persevere in prayer. We not, not to lose heart, but to always pray. And sometimes God's will is not our will, and God answers our prayers with, no. And that's okay. Because God has a great and good plan, and we need to have confidence that He works through prayers, and He has a plan. And when we pray, we submit to His will, His name. You see, prayer is powerful. James 5.16 tells us the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And God does work when we pray. You remember the day of Pentecost when many lives were changed and the gospel is preached with amazing power. Well, they had prayed for many days in one accord, the Bible says, and they had preached for a little amount of time, and God moved in mighty ways. But too often we reverse it nowadays. We want to prep and preach for a long time, pray for a little bit, and we don't see very great results. And so we need to understand that there's a direct correlation between power and prayer and God's Spirit and Him moving. And He does amazing things when we pray and depend on Him. And one of the beautiful benefits and power of prayer is aligning our hearts up to Him. Not my will, but your will be done. See, as you pray, it actually transforms your heart. To say God actually molds and shapes your heart, and you get to get the heart of Christ to be able to minister and to be able to walk with confidence, knowing that if God says yes, or He says no, or if He says left, or if He says right, you've given your uh, plans over to Him and surrendered to Him, and it transforms your heart. See, pray lets us trust God to be God. When we pray, we're putting things in His hands and saying, I'm not God, you are. I want your will to be done. And many times we get so scared or get worried about all these things going on, but I love what Craig Rochelle says. He says, worry is the alarm to pray. See, Peter, the apostle Peter would say, cast all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Philippians 4, 6-8 says, But when we pray, we give, we're giving our situations over to God, and He will give us peace. The Christian life is one of dependence, and when we pray, we're declaring our need for God, that God is our comfort, and we can cry out to Him. And prayer makes us more like Jesus. Like Proverbs 13, 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of the fool 
fools will suffer harm. See, when we walk before God, we become more like Him. Just as Moses went up to the mountain for 40 days and came down, they, they noticed a difference upon his face. People notice when you're before God's presence because He rubs off on you. We were made to worship, and as we worship Him, we reflect Him to the people. So many times we want to impress people with our capacity, our skills, our degrees, and our wisdom and knowledge. But the reality is, as a leader, it's going to be very appealing to other people when you're loving. And see, God is love, and He pours His Spirit into our hearts. And as we spend time with Him, there's an overflow of love that is able to give to people as we minister. We become more like Christ when we pray and spend time with our Father. The great theologian John Wesley said, The neglect of prayer is a grand hindrance to holiness. See, God will influence us for the good as we spend time with Him. And even Jesus, as the greatest leader ever, spent time with the Father. Donald Whitney said this, This much we do know, Jesus prayed. Luke 5.16 tells us, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If Jesus needed to pray, he goes on and says, How much more do we need to pray? Prayer is expected because we need it. We will not be like Jesus without it. And see, we always need to grow in our prayer life in becoming like Jesus. And so oftentimes we feel condemned, but we should say, no, we shouldn't feel condemned. There's no condemnation in Jesus. We want to become more and more like Christ. Our outward man is perishing, but our inward man needs to be strengthened and renewed. And so we should have a fervency, a passion to spend time with God, to enjoy His grace. And we get to pray. We can pray. We can learn about it, talk about it, study about it. But the primary thing that we need to do about prayer is apply it. Jesus said we are blessed when we apply His Word. Andrew Murray said this about prayer, Reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures, and talking about it is very good, but it won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but that won't teach me to play an instrument. And so I really want to challenge you to pray, to make time to pray. You know, plan to pray every day. Plan to spend time with God. And something that we've done as a church and uh, is just a 30 for 30 challenge where we challenge people to pray for 30 minutes a day um, for 30 days. And it's an incredible thing because it builds this habit and this routine of you taking extra time to just spend time with God. Uh, and I know some of you may say, well, I, I don't know if I could even pray for that long. 30 days and 30 minutes a day? Um, Well, let me just give you some ideas of some categories that you could pray for. You could pray for your upcoming church events. You could pray for your family, your friends, people in your church. You could pray through scripture. You can confess sin. You can pray for things that you're thankful for. You can get a list of missionaries and intercede and pray for them. You could pray for your own needs and hurts. You could acknowledge the character of a God and just give him thanks. You can uh, pray for the people you're discipling. Pray for the people that you're working with. Uh, Pray for me. Pray for my family. You could pray for financial needs. You could pray for opportunities to preach the gospel. You could pray for your marriage. You could pray for your city. You could pray for a lot of different things, right? And so don't be so scared and say, well, what would I say? Write down some categories and get at it. We know that there's a special blessing when we do pray, when we're even silent before the Lord and just spending time with Him. And I would really encourage you to go to redemptiondb.com slash 30 for 30 prayer. 
redemptiondb.com slash 30 for 30 prayer to be encouraged. There you could find more blog thoughts on prayer, screensavers, even a free ebook to read about prayer. And we've seen a lot of people take this challenge and grow in their faith and see God do great work. And this is a great challenge to take and to do it with some people. Maybe do it with your team, your ministry team. Uh, challenge them to pray for 30 minutes for 30 days and all do it together to keep one another accountable. And I want to encourage you, there's nothing wrong with systematically praying for things and planning things out. See, we all get busy and it's okay to schedule time to pray. To give you an example, I schedule dates with my wife. You better believe that our anniversary, that date, is blocked off because I want to spend time with her. And you may say, well, that's not romantic or that's not. No, what you, what's important, you schedule it. And so I would even challenge you to schedule 30 minutes in your time, in your day, every day to pray. For many of us in the mornings before the chaos of this world goes, uh, that's a great time to spend time in God's word and in prayer and just taking that extra time to be with him. But you have to plan things out. In order to spend time with God, it's okay because you're in a relationship. And relationships sometimes takes work, takes planning. Yes, you can always be texting like 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. You're always texting and doing this and just open communication with God. But there are times when you need to go in a relationship and instead of texting, talking, going face to face. Uh, you know, and I think the same thing applies to our relationship with God. Yes, we can have popcorn prayers and little 30 seconds and always in tune with, commune with God. But then there are other times where we need blocks of time, special retreats with God, uh, time to fast, to say, I'm going to stop and not eat food right now so I can actually spend time with God. Well, let me read you this uh, quote by John Piper. It's a little long, but man, it is so good and so worth it. He says this about planning and praying. Unless I'm badly mistaken, one of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant prayer life is not so much that we don't want to, but we don't plan to. If you want to take a four-week vacation, you don't just get up one summer morning and say, hey, let's go today. You won't have anything ready. You won't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. But that is how many of us treat prayer. We get up day after day and realize that significant times of prayer should be a part of our life but nothing's ever ready. We don't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. No time, no place, no procedure. And we all know that the opposite of planning is not a wonderful flow of deep, spontaneous experiences of prayer. The opposite of planning is the rut. If you don't plan a vacation, you will probably stay home and watch TV. The natural, unplanned flow of spiritual life sinks to the lowest ebb of vitality. There is a race to be run, a fight to be fought. If you want renewal in your life of prayer, you must plan to see it out. And so today what I've tried to do is basically saturate you in the importance of prayer. Encourage you to pray. To actually plan a whole lesson, a whole leadership lesson, and just talk to you about prayer. What the Bible says, quotes and experiences and stories and just encourage you once again that we get to pray. And so I know as leaders, we know this, but we need to be reminded of this because what a wonderful fact that is that we get to pray. I would encourage you to take the time that you need to pray to God in your leadership and you will see him work in mighty, mighty ways. Well, 
On today's One Piece of Advice video, I have my friend Eric Souza up in Jacksonville, Florida, sharing with us today. Eric planted the church and is the lead pastor of Reach Jackson, is a good friend of mine and a great Bible teacher. And so I asked him to share the importance of godly character. Sort of we, we focus on prayer and what it takes to be a leader. God is really concerned with our character and these disciplines of faith. Uh, rather than uh, just charisma, he's worried about character. And so Eric did a great job reminding us this truth. And I just thought it would be really great to match up the importance of prayer and talking about our character as leaders. And so here is Pastor Eric. You're listening to One Piece of Advice, brought to you by eeleaders.com, a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders. Hey guys, uh, Daniel asked me to make a video on the importance of godly character in relation to being a leader and or a pastor uh, within the church and uh, why is it important? So uh, it's important for a lot of reasons. Godly character is a um, prerequisite not only to being an elder or being a pastor within the church, but really isn't it a prerequisite to Christian living in general? Uh, but we know specifically um, uh, Paul lays it out in 1 Timothy chapter 3 where he gives us exactly what he's expecting from the bishops um, or from the elders um, of the church. He even goes into the deacons. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is godly character is crucial in ministry. Um, if we expect to lead anybody, we need to show them. Uh, I think of Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, when he's talking to this incredibly corrupt church. Um, they needed as much help as they could get. They were constantly influenced by the culture. Sounds kind of familiar in our day. Um, and Paul says to them, listen, if you don't know what to do, well then let me tell you, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, as leaders in the church, that needs to be our, our verse. That needs to be what, what we hang our hats on. Because our, our uh, fellowship, the people who are looking up to us, whoever it is that we're shepherding, if we're a youth pastor, if we're a senior pastor, whatever people um, that the Lord has given to us to care for, they need to be able to see Jesus in us. They, they need to be able to look to us as that positive example. So why is godly character so important in ministry? Well, because you're really not going to have an effective or fruitful ministry if you don't have the godly characteristic. The fact of the matter is, is godliness needs to be real to you. Christianity needs to be real to you. Um, if we want the people of our congregation reading the Bible on a daily basis, well, we need to be reading the Bible on a daily basis. If we want them to be acting a certain way, not doing certain things, well, we need to show them that. So. Godly character is incredibly important because it validates our ministry to people. Um, it, it allows us to have um, an in with people and ultimately it just makes us authentic because we're living exactly what we're preaching. So I think that goes without being said. I think we all understand that, but we're tempted sometimes to kind of uh, flirt in the gray areas, kind of uh, try to stay outside of what we know is true um, because we want to push the envelope. We want to reach more people. But I just want to caution anybody who has that mindset. May we say, no, Lord, I'm going to be different from the world and I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. I'm going to be the, the leader that you want me to be. Um, Jesus was a leader by, by doing what? By serving by loving those that were underneath him. So anyways, I hope that's helpful. I hope that's encouraging. Um, may we all lead with godliness, with godly character, because remember, it's a prerequisite to our ministry. 
God bless you guys. Well, in the next episode of Leadership Lessons, I'm going to have my good friend Pilgrim Benham share about the hard work of ministry. You know, sometimes it's good just to acknowledge the unique challenges of ministry, to acknowledge the unique challenges of spiritual disciplines like we did today. Prayer is hard sometimes, but it is totally worth it. And ministry at times is hard as well. However, we know that there is a God that is good and will reward us, that we do not labor in vain, and we should continue to press on. And so Pilgrim's going to talk about those things and say, yes, ministry is hard, but it is also worth it. And so hang in there. Don't give up. What you're doing actually matters. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family. I'm praying for your ministry, that God will give you the strength, the joy, and the peace that you need to continue to trust Him and do the things that He's called you to uniquely do. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.